Good morning, everybody. How are you today? It's good to see you. Glad you're here. If you've got your Bibles, take them and turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, please. Philippians chapter 3. Um, as you're turning, um, I uh, just want to reiterate, uh, obviously, this Wednesday night is our first Wednesday service. Um, and it'll be, uh, I'll be able to, I'll miss last month, and, uh, but I'll be back speaking this Wednesday, and I hope to see you there. Starts at 7 o'clock, going to be a great night, so I hope to, uh, you'll be there as well. And then next week, we begin a brand new series called Sheepish. It's a series where we're going to look at how today, when people talk about people describing them as sheep, it's often in a derogatory term, and yet that's the term that Jesus referred to us most often as. But it's not a derogatory term. He was telling us how dependent we are upon him in our lives. And so over the next few weeks, we'll look at some of the promises that God makes when we put our total dependence on him, direction, provision, guidance, um, and protection in our life. So I hope you'll be a part of that. That starts next week. Today, I want to talk to you about um, a subject called complete faith, complete faith. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into it, and we'll read the passage in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, Over these next few moments, I pray that you would be with us, and I pray that you would anoint our time together to accomplish your perfect will. I pray that you would anoint the words you've given me to say as they go forth, anoint our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive them so that you may accomplish your perfect will. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you and you alone all the praise and the glory for it. In Christ's holy name, amen. Um, as most of you know, um, these last, uh, last week and this week, uh, I was able to come back last week and be with you after several weeks being gone. Um, and uh, most of you know that uh, several weeks ago, uh, my wife passed away after a long battle with cancer. And I decided last week and this week to not just avoid things, but let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. And uh, last week, I talked to you about what is available to us in even the most difficult times, and that is peace. That even in your most difficult times, there is peace that is available to each of us. And in order to access that peace, we have to believe some truths about God, that that he is with us, that he is for us, and that he is enough. Today, I want to talk to you about a complete faith. And the reason I decided I wanted to address these right up front is because I realized that um, I didn't just lose my wife, my kids didn't just lose their mother, you lost a pastor and you lost a friend. And many of you struggle. And so I decided that I wanted to lay down some biblical truths that I have worked through over the last few months in order to prepare my heart for whatever God wanted to do in my life. But I think it applies to you as well. Now in doing so, I want you to know something. Um, I, I realize in grief, I have to walk through this like everybody does publicly, um, but I'm not going to bleed on you this morning. I, I choose to grieve privately with um, select friends. I have a counselor. I've got all those things. Um, so my, my purpose this morning is not to get something off my check, chest or catharsis or anything like that. I, I truly believe these are things that as your pastor, I want you to know as you go forward in your life, You're going to face difficult circumstances, and there ought not be these moments where you have to question your faith. As a matter of fact, this came up um, several months ago. A friend of mine called me. He's an older gentleman, um, uh, older than me, I mean, like 20 years older than I am, has been in ministry longer than I have, has pastored longer than I have, and we went through a, we've been through a similar situation in that 
Um, his wife faced cancer. He lost his wife a couple of years ago. And, and, and he was very kind, prayed with me. And, uh, but he said something that just got a hold of me, not in an offensive way, but it just, I couldn't get it off my brain. He said, you know, I prayed. I quoted all the scriptures when it came to um, all of the things that I'm supposed to do. I, I read healing scriptures every day. I proclaimed the power of God every day. And he said, and then God didn't do things the way I wanted to. And he said, and I, literally, he said, after 50 years in ministry and 40 years of pastoring, he said, I had a crisis of faith as to what do I really believe? And my point is not to criticize that at all. It was real. What I did was, over the next few weeks, I began to pray and I said, I, Lord, I don't know how all this is going to turn out, but I don't want to have a crisis of faith. I don't want to have a place where I doubt your goodness. I don't want to come to a place where I have to deal with bitterness. And so, God, I just, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I want you to put people in my life, mentors, that I can discuss these things with and really work out what does all of this mean, a complete faith. And the results of this are some of those conversations and the Bible studies. Because it's not, I come here this morning with a specific circumstance that I'm going through. You're probably going through a circumstance in your life. Millions of people all over the world are going through circumstances. There's a war in Ukraine that has been going on for months now. There are people whose lives have been decimated in Florida and the Carolinas because of a hurricane, and their lives are never going to be the same. There are riots in Indonesia as a result of last night at a sporting event that cost almost 200 lives at last count. There, is, there are things that are taking place all over the world where people's lives are never going to be the same. They're enduring hardship, and they're enduring suffering in that. And the question is, what does a complete faith look like? What does a faith look like that when things happen in my life, I don't have such an imbalance that my life begins to falter during those times? It doesn't mean it's not difficult. It doesn't mean it's not painful. What it means is, how can I stand in faith during the most difficult times? And there is a passage in Philippians chapter 3 where Paul, the apostle, who has so much bold faith, so much bravery, and yet he is in a jail writing to people, and this is what he says in verses 10 and 11. He says, of all the things I could do, I want to know Christ. I mean, he's preached the gospel. This man has planted churches, worked miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit, all of these things are taking place in his life. And he says, let me tell you what I want to do. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Christ. And then he says, in three particular ways, I want to know him. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Three aspects of a complete faith that if we take them, will give us balance. But if we miss any of those, we're, in, we're off. And anything could knock us off kilter in our faith. What are those three things? The first one is this, miracles. You know what miracles do? Miracles show that God has the power to bring me out. 
He has the power to bring me out of every circumstance. Now, what does that mean? That means that God has the authority and the power because he is supernatural. The word super simply means over. He is over nature. It is under him. He has all authority in heaven and earth, and he can do what he wants to do at any time that he wants to do it. And there is nothing that can stand in the way of the power of God when he decides to display it in our lives and through our lives. This is what he says. I want to know Christ. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. He said the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to know that power in my life. Listen, this is what a complete faith is. You need to know that there are circumstances that either will come your way or that you'll be involved in where God wants you to pray for the miraculous. Even if you've been disappointed in the past, that doesn't mean that God has changed in any way, shape, or form. He wants you to pray for the miraculous. Why? Because in the miraculous, God's power is displayed for everyone to see that his power is greater One of the greatest miracles in the Old Testament is found in the book of Daniel. It is these three young men. They've been taken captive from Jerusalem. They're Hebrews, and they're taken over to Babylon. And when they are taken to Babylon, they are groomed to be in service, in slavery, but service. But they're found to be in such such, um, blessing, the favor of God is on them, that they literally are being placed in oversight, in supervisory positions, And there are those that are jealous. And so those that are jealous that are Babylonians know that they are faithful to God. So they convince the king to create this enormous image of himself, they say. It's it's representative of him. And they say, everyone needs to worship this because everyone needs to worship you. And they said, so make a decree that when the music sounds and the trumpet blasts, everyone is supposed to bow down and worship the image, which is worship to the king. And the king says, I like that. What worldly king would not like that? So he makes a decree. And the music plays and the trumpets sound and everyone bows in worship except three young Hebrew men. Their names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the Bible says that the king is made aware of this, brings them to him. He likes them so much, but he is infuriated. He said, I'm going to give you one more chance. Now, when the music sounds and the trumpet blasts, you better bow this time. Or, you see that furnace over there? I'm going to heat it up seven times hotter than it's ever been heated, and I'm going to throw you all in that furnace. And this is their response in verses 16 through 18 of Daniel. Look at the faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, the king, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us, and he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. So they believe for the miraculous, but their faith And their following of God is not conditioned upon the miraculous happening. They said, even if God decides not to do it, our knees aren't going to bow and they're not going to worship anything else except his 
name. You have to pray and believe for the miraculous in your life. You have to believe that God at some moment in time will choose to show his power and authority and you'll get to be the beneficiary of that and you'll get to tell everybody about that. But your faith can't be conditioned on if God does this, then I'll serve him. He is not into bartering. He's already paid the ultimate price by Jesus dying on a cross for your sins, and he's worthy of your praise. If he never does another thing for you, he's worthy of your worship, praise, and adoration. You believe for the miraculous, but you serve him because he's already done the miraculous for you. So Paul says, there's miracles. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection. But then he goes on to say that there's another part of it. This is the part we don't like, suffering. If miracles show that God can bring us out, suffering shows that God can bring us through. There are some things that God will allow you to go through in order for his name to be glorified. Here's what he says. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. He says, I want to know Christ to such an extent. There's nothing I want him to withhold from me. I want to know everything about him. I want to know every experience that he has for me. I want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ in the miraculous and even in the suffering. Even if he brings pain into my life, I want to know Christ. I want to get more of him. Now, some of you say that is a tall task. Amen. But Paul says, as I've gone through all of my life, here's what I want. I want to know Jesus. In any way, in anything he brings my way, I want to see him. So Paul says, a complete faith is that in the miraculous, that in suffering. Those seem so diametrically opposed to each other. And the third is in eternity. And this, eternity shows that God has the power to bring me home to him. Here's what he says. So that one way or the other, whether it's through the miraculous or through suffering, he says, one way or the other, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. This is what Jesus tries to teach his disciples over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, he sends his disciples out. He empowers them and anoints them to do. we, We love, we want Jesus anoint us to do this. He says, I want you to go out. I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cast out demons, raise the dead. I want you to go out and preach and let the miracles speak for the power of God. And they do, and they come back, and they're amazed at what God has done through them. And this is the conversation they have with him in Luke chapter 10, verses 18 through 20. They come back and tell him, all these things happen. He said, yes, Jesus told him. He's like, look, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions, crush them. Nothing will injure you. But look what he says. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. He said, that's the only reason to rejoice. Don't rejoice because of all the earthly power that you get to show. 
Rejoice because your names are written in heaven and you'll spend eternity with me. Miracles, suffering, and eternity. Now, I don't know what your background is for every one of you, but I can tell you this. Um, whatever your background is, I'm probably going to offend you. So just know that. Not intentionally. If you grew up in a mainline church, there is a good chance that you were taught heavy in eternity and heavy in suffering and enduring. But you weren't taught much about miracles, active miracles here today. If you were brought up in a spirit-filled or a Pentecostal church, there's a good chance you were taught about eternity and miracles, but no one ever really talked about suffering. But without all three aspects, you'll have an incomplete faith that will leave you confused, frustrated, and disappointed. A few years ago, they did a study among college students that used to be Christians that were now calling themselves atheists. And there were interviews with the college students, dozens of them, over 70. Um, I think it was around 71 was the actual number. And in doing the interviews with them, what the questions were, finding out how they migrated from Christianity into atheism, the question was, what was the tipping point? What was the thing that made you finally change your mind? And, and they said, well, you just, I just learned and adapted and evolved. And they said, okay, great. But the tipping point, what book, what article, what teacher, what philosopher, which one was it that sort of put you over the edge? And only one out of all of them could give an answer to that question. As a matter of fact, the longer the interview went, the more it was found that every one of them but one had a hurt, a disappointment, a trauma, or something that they were suffering through when they were younger that made them decide, I'm not going to follow God anymore. If this is what God's going to allow to happen to me, then I'm not going to follow him anymore. A crisis of faith. I want you to hear my heart this morning. As your pastor, I don't want you to have a crisis of faith when you encounter difficult circumstances. When you go through troubled seasons in your life, I don't want you to have a crisis of faith. You're going to have enough pain. You're going to have enough turmoil. You're going to have enough um, um, interruption in your life but I don't want you to have a crisis of faith. I want you to be able to stand on God's word. I want you to be able to stand on God's promises correctly so that you can not only endure difficult times, but you can grow in your faith and grow in your faithfulness. It's possible. And God has tried to prepare us for moments of suffering. We like to avoid them, don't we? And God has tried to tell us I mean, Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have what? Troubles. He didn't say there's a possibility. He said, in this world, you will have troubles. As a matter of fact, James tells us in his book, he says, count it all joy when you encounter all sorts of various trials and persecution. Now, we can debate counting it joy all you want to. But he says, these things are going to happen. He says, so you have a choice in the matter on how you approach these things, but they're going to happen. 
Do you know that when Jesus was listing out all of the fruit of the Spirit, he described one of those fruits as we translated a lot of times in translations that we read modern as patience. The actual word literally means long-suffering or endurance. So once you get a hold of that, when Jesus said, the thing that people will recognize that you're a part of me, the fruit that they will see in you, one of the things that they will see in you that will point them to me is this, is your ability to grow in faith as you endure difficult seasons in your life. Now, I know nobody's putting that one on their refrigerator. That's not the promises we put up there. But he said, this is one of the ways people are going to know that this faith that you have is real. So why is suffering so hard for us to understand? Why is suffering such a barrier to our faith sometimes? Or as spirit-filled folks who claim the promises of God, why do we see suffering as a failure of faith sometimes? Are you ready? You better buckle up for just a second, okay? I'm not going to be mean, but it's the truth. Because we love power. We love authority. And we love to avoid pain. Amen? We do. See, miracles seem like victories, right? Eternity seems like final victory. But where does suffering fit into our spiritual equation? So one of the biggest problems in our spiritual formation is we have a tendency to try and take God's glory, sometimes unintentionally. And God doesn't like sharing his glory. Now, how does that happen? Let me give you a scenario. Never happened with any of you, right? Other people, right? We encounter a difficult circumstance. We need a financial miracle. We need a healing. We need a relationship. We need peace. We, we, and we pray. And we, we go in our prayer closets and we go in our prayer groups and we declare, Lord, we can't do this on our own. I can't do this. I have no answer to this. And so I am totally dependent on your power and your grace and your authority to bring me out of these circumstances. And then when and if God moves in those circumstances, when people say, what in the world happened in your circumstances? We can have a tendency to make it about our prayer efforts or our bold faith that was the answer to that. We don't say it that way. We use phrases like, oh, let me just tell you what happened. My prayer group is a group of prayer warriors. If you want something done in heaven, talk to my prayer group. Those others over there, they'll offer some little measly prayers, but my prayer group, they'll get it done for you. Not you, others, right? I know. Or no, 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 here's what I did. I prayed the prayer of Jabez or Obadiah or fill in the blank or whatever, or some formula. I got up at this time every day, did it this way, faced this direction and prayed all of these formulas and that's what did it for me. Or I refused to take no for an answer. I commanded some angel from that far corner of the world and commanded him to go over there. You, do you see what I mean? 
All of a sudden, it's not about this all-powerful, all-loving, all-grace-filled God coming in and rescuing us from our disaster. We start to make it about ourselves in this and putting ourselves at the center of the story that's not about us to start with. What we're missing is the total dependence on God that those Hebrew men showed. You know what they said? I believe God can. I believe God will. But even if he doesn't, I will not worship any other God or bow before anyone else. Do you know every single disciple suffered? Every apostle suffered. The ones that Jesus gave the commands, go and do these things and nothing shall harm you at all during these times where he sent them out. Every single one of them. As a matter of fact, all but one of them was murdered for their faith. The only one that was not murdered was John and it wasn't for lack of effort. They boiled him in oil and he refused to die. Cast him on an island that was far away from everyone and just left him there. And yet he suffered greatly. One of those disciples, one of the closest to Jesus, wrote to people that were undergoing tremendous persecution and reminded them that suffering will form and complete our faith and that God uses it that way sometimes. I'm going to skip down, if we would. So, guys, um, I'm going to start at verse 6, okay? So, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. Peter says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire test and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you've never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. These are people who have been excommunicated. They've been abandoned by their families. People refuse to do business with them, and so now they're financially in trouble. These are people who have lost everything and given up everything for the sake of Jesus. And Peter writes to them, and he says, these tests, these trials are there to purify your faith. That's what they're there for. He says, just as gold is purified by fire, so your faith is purified by trials. Do you know what it takes for gold to be purified? A temperature of 1,950 degrees Fahrenheit. And it's a continual process. Peter says, sometimes it's going to be very, very difficult. And we don't like that because we want mild trials, right? Okay, Lord, I'll take a trial, but make sure it doesn't hurt too much. 
Make sure it doesn't break my heart. Make sure it doesn't cost too much money to fix. Make sure it's not very public so other people don't know about it. Make sure it doesn't embarrass me. Right? But there is no such thing as a testimony without a test. And when gold is refined like this, Peter says your life will be refined like this as well. Now, I need you to understand something. There are people in Christian history who have intentionally tried to suffer in order to identify with Christ. Can I just give you some advice? You don't have to seek out suffering. Jesus said it'll find you. But you can also live victoriously even in suffering. You don't have to consider suffering as failure. One thing you do get to choose in the midst of suffering is how you respond. And Peter says that you can still respond with joy. Not a happiness about your circumstances, but a joy that is deep down a joy that can bubble up even in the midst of your worst moments. Here's what he says. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. You can endure and you can still have joy. And why is joy so important? Because joy is available every moment in our faith. See, joy is obvious in miracles, right? Miracle happens, you're joyful. But joy is also available during your suffering. And there's a promise that joy is awaiting us in eternity forever. When you suffer, you haven't failed. It's your faith being purified. And I know that's hard to hear. I know it's hard to walk through. But you don't have to walk alone. In the particular case that brings me in this moment, for every one of you that prayed for my wife, your prayers didn't fail. Your faith didn't fail. We don't understand it sometimes, but we know that sometimes God can accomplish more through your faithfulness and suffering than he can through your miracle. And this life that we have is short and temporary, but is designed to bring glory to God. How do you do it? just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I believe he can. I believe he will. But even if he doesn't, I'll never worship anything but his name and his name alone. I'm ask you to bow your heads. Close your eyes, please. If you're here this morning and 
You know when you walked in this room, things weren't right between you and the Lord. The Lord is, through the power of his Holy Spirit, here beckoning, calling you. And you can come home to him by simply praying something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. All that you've done for me. And I ask your forgiveness of the way I used to live of my sins. I ask you to make me clean and whole. And I ask that you would be the leader and Lord of my life. I surrender every aspect of my life. In my good times and my bad times, I declare today, just like we sang earlier, that you're good. It's all you can be. That it's not about something that you do for us, but goodness is your character. And so I rely on the goodness of God for the rest of my life. And I will never be the same. I'm asking everyone to just pray this prayer of profession with me. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. One more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're in the room this morning, and you know when you came in here today, things weren't right between you and the Lord. You say, I'm making a decision to follow him for the first time or the first time in a long time. I want to pray for you. I'm not here to embarrass you. But if that's you, would you just be bold and raise your hand really high so I can pray for you this week? Leave it up just a moment, please. Thank you. Thank you. You're not alone. Amen. Amen. Just keep them up just a moment. Thank you. Amen. All right, you can put them down. Father, we thank you right now for changed, redeemed lives. And we thank you for hope that has been given to each one of us. Some received hope this morning. Others are reminded of the hope that you've given to us. And so I pray, God, that every weight of sin would be lifted off of their shoulders and that joy, you said in your word, that would be unspeakable, full of glory, would absolutely permeate through their hearts. And Lord, in these next few moments as we... Remember your sacrifice through Holy Communion. I pray that you would bless our time remembering the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And God, I pray for every single person that partakes, Lord, that there'd be a meaningful time of remembrance and looking forward to all the promises you've given to us. In Christ's name, amen. You should have received some elements when you came in. If you'll go ahead and take those out. If you did not receive any elements, um, would you just raise your hand and our host will get those to you. Just leave them up real quick. We want everyone to have some elements to be able to partake of communion this morning. And here's what I'm going to encourage you as we are partaking. You know, when you partake of communion, you're, you're remembering that Jesus' body was broken for us and his blood was spilled for us. And as you remember that, what is available to each of us is all the things that the Bible says would be available, that literally, that healing was provided in the atonement. And if you're facing something today, I want you to believe for the miraculous. I want you to ask God for the impossible. If it's reconciliation, if it's a financial miracle, if it's healing, if it's anxiety, whatever that is in your life, ask God for the impossible. The blood of Jesus was spilled and all things are possible. But also, if you're hurting and you're suffering, and you say, I don't know how I can ever find joy in this moment, I pray this morning, as you partake in remembering that the ultimate suffering was done by Jesus so that you could have peace that passes all human understanding and you could have joy invade your life. 
It's available for you today. And for some of you, what you need to focus on is the fact that this suffering that he did is now making available to us a home in heaven forever. If you take the elements, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. He says, on the same night that the Lord was betrayed, he took bread, and after he blessed it, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Would you remember the body of Christ? And in the same manner, he took the cup and said, this cup is my blood in the new covenant. Take and drink as often as you do in remembrance of me. Would you remember the blood of Christ? For as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Heavenly Father, the body that was broken and the blood that was spilled, not in vain, but you have reconciled us to you through your son, Jesus. For that we are eternally grateful. We are grateful that the miraculous is provided for in the atonement. And we ask you for that in our lives today. Lord, pour it out. Pour it out, Lord. Pour healing out on your people. Pour reconciliation out. Pour financial provision out on your people today. Lord, pour peace out on your people today. For those that are in the midst of suffering right now, and you've chosen for whatever reason in your goodness to choose so, that you're going to bring them through instead of bring them out. God, I pray that they would find a sense of joy that would just envelop them. And God, for all of us, I pray that we would just remember that the ultimate thing that you have given us is a relationship that you that will never end and will ultimately see in heaven above. And for these things, we give you praise and honor and glory in the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, can you celebrate with me today? Six people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ today. Amen. Amen. I hope you'll be a part of uh, this Wednesday night service. Listen, before you leave today, um, this is Outreach October all week, all month, excuse me. We are focused on a lot of our outreach opportunities, all of our partnerships that are in the community. And the Lord has blessed us with so many great partnerships in the community. Today, we have one of them with us in the atrium. So I'd encourage you to go out there. And uh, they are the Goshen Valley Boys Ranch. They help boys when they come into foster care. Um, some of them with trauma find some peace and help them deal with their anxiety and find a loving home. And the, uh, what they said is they exist to provide these young men in the foster care system so that they might experience full healing in their life. You can stop by their table and you can find out more about what they're doing or if you don't have time for that, in the lobbies, grab one of the brochures. It tells you about all the activities and all of our partners and things that are going on. The Lord has really, and I, you know what, when you pray this week, Thank the Lord for the, what is sending these great partnerships for us to be able to connect with and touch lives here in our community. And I hope you'll be a part of all of that. Uh, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. 
If you've made a decision to follow Christ today, or maybe in the last few weeks, or maybe you just need to find out some more information about Mount Perrin North, man, we would love to give that to you. Right after I dismiss this morning, right down front here, some of our grow team, if you'll give us two minutes, we'll help you get started in your walk with Jesus or help you get connected and finding your gifts here at Mount Perrin North and just finding some community. We'd love to help you in that process as well. Allow me the privilege to bless you today before you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give our response. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Have a great week.